Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 184. Um, oh, yeah. No, well, I'm, you'll be fine. That's my first time. The host is... Oh. <laughs> she's, quite, she's quite vicious. Okay. Like, she's like vicious and inept. This one, this okay, one okay. right here. Is that fair? Vicious uh, and inept? And... <laughs> <laughs> It's unusual combo. They were like the original host for this show was Kellyanne Conway, but then they wanted someone more vicious. (laughs) Yeah, and they came for me. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we dispatch Ivanka Trump to Davos to bore economists with handbags. I am your host, Nagin Parsad, and I'm not at Davos. I'm not in California. I'm not anywhere else. I'm fucking finally back here in New York City. Oh my God, you guys, it feels so good to be back. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm losing my mind. I mean, my throat. Today, we're going to talk about Trump. Uh, and uh, his little impeachment. We're also going to talk about the trail of elections. <laughs> Stupid. Um, finally, we're going to talk about the Equal Rights Amendment that just passed in Virginia. All right, here we go. I'm so excited about the panel today, you guys. For the first time joining us... This woman, she's a visual artist, she's a filmmaker. She's been my friend for many years. Uh, And she's a, I mean, beyond the the stuff of talent, 
She's just a glittering chatter, (laughs) like a glittering speaker of just English, you know, and it's so fun. She has a film premiering um, at the New York Jewish Film Festival at Lincoln Center on Sunday called Eleanor of Illinois because she fancy. You guys, it's Danielle Dershlag. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks so much for being here. Uh, This next one. (laughs) I was trying to hold back a little burp. I know. I was like, what is that face? I saw it. It was so sorry. You did it. (laughs) It was a successful holding back of a burp. Nicely done. You should do a seminar on how to do that. That was really successful because it felt like a stage four burp, too. Yeah, it it was going to be, you know, not a. Anyway, it's fine. It might, I'm just worried that it will come back again. So that can be a little, this is foreshadowing. they never go away. Yeah, this is, they know. just hide. It could be a nice surprise later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see which topic exactly. it comes back on. Exactly. Um, now, the voice you're hearing, she is a contributing writer to the New York Times. Mm-hmm. A little uh, papier du record. The uh, grey ladies. <laughs> One of the many daughters of the grey lady. <laughs> I bet I'm not allowed to say that, actually. Are you? Okay, well, it's been redacted by my voice right now. (laughs) That was redacted. Okay. Is that how redacting works, guys? Yeah, I I think it is. The slutty daughter of the grey lady. (laughs) (laughs) Also not factual. Redaction. Um, You guys, she's also author of the book Maven America. You've heard her on this podcast before. You love her. She's also my friend. Yeah. Hooray. Maeve Higgins you guys. Thanks for having me in the game. Um, okay, let us get into it with topic number one. Not that anyone cares, but the historic trial of our now impeached minority president, Donnie Twimp, is now underway. Uh, yesterday was the first day. We're taping today on a Wednesday. Um, Mitch McConnell had to do so much suppressing of due process that he just, like, developed another chin. You know, it's just a chin where impeachment lives. <laughs> um, God, because it's stressful. <laughs> now, yes. I'm going to give start this out with a little quiz, okay? Who said the following line? Uh, Can we still put fairness, even-handedness, and historical precedent ahead of the partisan passions of the day? Today's vote will contain some answers. Do you want to know who said it or who meant it? (laughs) I believe Mitch McConnell was the person who said it. He said it! Well done, Danielle. Maeve was, like, really stumped by that one. I could tell she had no answer. It's really hard to know. Like, when you say it, it sounds genuine. So I was like... Did Nagin say it? To, did <laughs> totally she say that to her Fair husband question. and child yesterday? Um, but he said that. To, isn't that brazen? He's brazen. gaslighting everybody. Well, brazen. it's the thing that makes him that. so deviously phenomenal at his job, right? To actually utter that without shame yeah. from his perspective with his record is, um, I would say, evilly impressive. He is good at his job, isn't he? No, it's it's so impressive. And the mm-hmm. fun thing, too, just in terms of gaslighting, just so everybody knows what we're talking about, you know, he he mentions precedent here, and, they, and he said, we're going to do the Bill Clinton precedent, guys. We're going to do the Bill Clinton precedent, which involved what? Witnesses. Which involved what? Three days mm-hmm. right. of being able to make 24 hours worth of oral arguments or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he was like, let's do no witnesses in only two days, which then makes it not the Bill Clinton precedent, right? And so that's where you're like, what are you talking about? The thing you just delivered is not the thing that was the Bill Clinton thing. So then you so then you're just crazy. And then so I don't know. I'll just give you my first blush reaction to yesterday. 
it felt like the Democrats had to do so much dusting off and cleaning up and just because because and I'm not I'm trying I was trying very, very deeply trying to watch it as someone who doesn't want to just bash the GOP. I don't want to just bash the GOP. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to see what is happening here in their minds is and what is, you know, the the core integrity to it, you know? And so when you you know, when he went back and said, okay, three days, did you feel better then? Or... I felt better then. I did feel better because yeah. I was like, okay, they relented. I mean, they relented because they've got those four or five senators that are a really tough well, spot electorally. But that's what I've been thinking about the last couple of days is just that I long for a political time when I wasn't so anxiously and acutely obsessed with the political decisions of Susan Collins of Maine. Yeah. I know. <laughs> no, it, exactly. Like several times a year in the Trump era, I think, is Susan going to save us? And part of why that's such an anxious and fraught question is because the answer consistently is – you know, maybe sometimes. Yeah, yeah but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. rarely. It's like, right. you know, those rats that like press a button to get a reward <laughs> and they press it more times when the reward like hardly ever comes. Right. <laughs> but if we could rely on her, we'd be fine. But, yeah. But I think we can't. And I think as well, um, I know what you mean. You don't want to believe like, oh, the you know, this caricature that like the Republicans are going to bring us all down and the Democrats are are the best ones. Um, because you don't want to believe that that's what the democracy has come to. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, and just to, to finish my thought about my, uh-huh. my initial reaction was, again, I don't want to be a GOP pasher, but they didn't discuss the merits at all. I mean, I didn't listen to all of it, okay? There were many, many right. hours of shit going on yesterday. But, I, but from what I caught, which is a significant amount, the words like Ukraine... <laughs> You know what I mean? Zelensky, mm-hmm. uh, military aid. Those things were not a part of their discussion. Mm-hmm. The Democrats were the ones that had to consistently bring up what the actual reason is for this impeachment. Yeah, that's right. And that was so I was just like, I'm OK with you guys being against this. I'm o- I'm OK for you to say he illegally withheld military aid. Mm-hmm. It was shitty. But it's not impeachable. Mm-hmm. Why don't you say that? Just say that. You know, it's when, like when, why, I don't understand the goal. Like how? What's happening? Well, it's just obscuring the truth and like not giving an inch, right? But when the um, last impeachment, the Clinton impeachment, mm. were was it, were they openly like, yes, he did this? And also, this is so ignorant. But what was he impeached for? Um, for lying. He was impeached for lying for under li- oath. Yeah, and, and obstructing Congress. Okay, so, right, yeah. okay. And so were they like, yeah, he lied, but we're okay with this? I wonder, because was it was it so divided then, I wonder? You mean, did the Democrats feel that yeah. he had lied? God, I'm trying to remember. You know, I think there was basic, this is why there was so much discussion about what constitutes sex in yeah. that trial. And remember? it reminded me of that when it was like, the, the, the debate right. around so tiny right. words what, right. what it what is. is. Because is, whether yeah. or not you agreed that he lied had a lot to do with how you defined sex, right? right? He and Monica, as far as we know, did not actually have traditional sexual intercourse, right? So if, if that's your definition of sex, then if my memory's right, I was like... 12, but I believe at the time. (laughs) And you were like, I want to know about this. Right. (laughs) What is it? No, honestly, weird digression, but my my strongest memory from that entire trial was my rabbi giving a speech in um, synagogue Friday night saying, I'm hiding my newspaper from my children. 
Wow. <laughs> because he couldn't believe the content that was on the front page. That's my, my strong it's memory. it's so much worse now. And I'm wondering, like, uh, what I mean is that there's such bigger consequences. That's right. This impeachment. But I just wonder if it was like, if they were fighting so hard for Clinton the way the Republicans are fighting so hard for Trump. I do believe that they fought hard for Clinton. I think because I was a child, I can't really speak to that with any authority. But what I can say, you know, in regard to what you were asking, Nagin, is that it's really difficult. I love your generosity of spirit. I also want to believe in a GOP that even though I vehemently disagree with them is sort of, you know, grounded in a solid ethics, just an ethics that are not my ethics. Mm. But it's almost impossible to look at what's happened over the course of the last couple of days and see it as anything other than Mitch McConnell really just adhering to the wishes of the president. And, and it was, in fact, you know, uh, perjury for Clinton. But I think one right. of the things, a huge difference between now and then was that they agreed 100 to nothing on the rules of impeachment. That's right. Oh. Which means there was unbelievable bipartisan uh, agreement on how the impeachment trial was going to be conducted. Okay. And that's not something that we have, right? Yeah. But, Nikki, uh, having lived through that time, aren't you shocked to find that, like, that was a time that we would now consider a moment of American consensus? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not my memory. It didn't feel good at the time. Sure did yeah. not. But it. But it's interesting because I think. I, I think no, it's not my memory either. I also am just like, oh, I wonder. I wonder what I would have felt like if I was like a real adult during that time. Yeah, who and knows? I could have right. like fully understood what was happening. Um, but I do just from. But I, ju- I do get the sense that at the end of the day. Senators were like, well, even though I'm a Republican, I fucking hate this guy. I am going to agree to these rules. Like, uh, well, let's not be ridiculous. There was mm-hmm. a let's not be ridiculous mm-hmm. vibe. Mm-hmm. Let, let's talk real quick, though, mm-hmm. about the uh, legal team. Trump's <laughs> fascinating, <laughs> fascinating legal team. Um, I He's he's joined he's joined by none other than Ken Starr. You guys remember Ken Starr speaking vividly, of the, absolutely the deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Alan Dershowitz, known for his fantastic work on the O.J. Simpson trial, but also um, as a uh, colleague and friend and defender of Jeffrey Epstein. So, who, by the way, there are allegations against Dershowitz himself, which is fun. That's correct. Um. What do you guys make oh, of this so, team? So you feel you feel bad for Dershowitz because he's in mourning for his friend. <laughs> you think he shouldn't be? <laughs> he's not ready. <laughs> he's not. Give the guy a break. He misses all the hobbies they had together, all the fun. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's like a it's like a cartoonishly grotesque bunch of men mm-hmm. <laughs> who all have these strange histories of kind of trying to. Did you see Monica Lewinsky's tweet when she, no. I think she said, are you effing kidding me? And I mean, speaking about like being a little bit too young to remember the Clinton, she was so young. She was like 22 yeah, then. Right, yeah, right. So I I still look to her like for her perspective on things because she, but to think that the same players are like in it this time, it's farcical. Like is Ken Starr even a good um, lawyer? What's he been doing this whole time? Well, he just had another scandal also related, believe it or not, to the sexual assault of women. Um, because <laughs> who would have thought it? Oh uh, you know, at his last institution, there was a big scandal. I actually don't know the details, but um, the last institution that he was involved in, I believe it was a university. Mm. They mishandled um, right. accusations that women were, you know, they mishandled accusations against men for sexually harming women on campus, I believe it was. And he was considered part of the problem of that problematic response. So the thing that tethers 
these men, at the very least, is being accused of, let's say, um, to put it politely, deeply unsavory behavior connected to the safety of women, the sexual safety of women. And that's who Trump has chosen to publicly present him at this moment. Yeah. Um, it's it's is, almost too on the nose. Which is so fun because, like, you know, Nancy Pelosi chose these house managers and whatever mm-hmm. that would look like a slice of America, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. There's women, there's people like, right. blah, blah, blah. Right. she, like, made sure that not only were the, was there legal expertise, but that it wasn't going to be, you know, 12 or however many it is, white guys, mm-hmm. um, which was obviously not something that, uh, that the GOP cared about. But no. again, demographically, they should. Uh, and even if they do care, can, do they have enough people on board under those descriptions? Right. Well, also a, a fair couple. question. Yeah. <laughs> there's a couple. <laughs> no, yeah. but yeah, it's like it's like overworking the same two people. Right. Like Ben Carson, <laughs> do you have any law practice right. background? Right. He's I like, know you're no. a doctor, but right. how's about you right. do this You seem great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess my, it, you know, in closing here, there's another day of impeachment happening right now. I guess we're going to see um, what happen if they're going to allow any witnesses that happens next week so we'll we'll know there do you uh, is there any i don't know light in this tunnel how much is susan gollins gonna help us here do you have any predictions i suppose not to be fatalistic i do care about it but isn't the conclusion almost foregone and so i also yeah it has been so right and so i look at um you know, polls. And they all say, like, people don't aren't really paying attention to... Right. And I get it. I just happened to have, like, a voiceover gig yesterday and I didn't look at the news once. <laughs> I was like... And then when you were like, we're going to talk about this, you know, and what I'm saying is, if you have what any What you're saying normal, is you're not prepared for this show right now. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you have, like, a regular job and stuff right. to do, how are you going to keep track of, like, this very intense, archaic political process yeah. where you already feel like it's not... It's already going to, it's not going to work. Well, that's right. And I have to say, um, reaching for a silver lining here is is a Herculean task, right? Because it, it feels like, obviously, he's not going to become impeached. The politics make that almost impossible. But here's my silver lining because yeah, I've been reaching for it okay. over the last 24 hours. It's a little bit of a stretch. But, I like it. I but like walk, it so far. Walk with me if you would. <laughs> my silver lining is that let's assume the worst and that none of these documents get presented that mm-hmm. should be presented and that no witnesses are allowed who obviously should be allowed. You know, what it occurs to me is, while I think you're right, most people are not paying attention to this for obvious life-fair reasons, um, those witnesses actually are being allowed in the public discourse because they're going on chat shows. My silver lining is that even if John Bolton doesn't get called as a witness, yeah. I have a prayer, a, 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 a personal hope that we will see him on fill-in-the-blank CNN or even Fox, right. you know, somewhere. Where- 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> We want to see him take a bride from around the world. When John Bolton is on 90 Day Fiance, I'm, I don't, I'll be so happy I'll be able, I won't be able to stay in my body. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, I think the Les Parnas thing is an interesting example, right? Because like chances are he's not going to be pulled out and allowed to have his say in the way that I believe he should. But we already know all the things he would say yeah. because he's gone on these chat shows. Mm-hmm. So my one silver lining is that I hope that the process is archaic and I think sort of, um, not really viewed as it currently is by most people, does open sort of the kind of media bag right. for some of these characters. For who the know, truths to come out, to even come though out. it's not they're not in a formal because impeachment mm-hmm. trial setting. We're going to lose the formal fight, but we might actually make a change in the public discourse by a few degrees because the formal fight allows and for these characters might, to oh, be public. Really, I like mm-hmm. that, guys. I went on that road with Thank you, you. Yeah. and I really enjoyed it. Oh, me too. I have to mm-hmm. say, as a follow-up to your silver lining, Please. I do 
enjoy the Lev Parnas interviews. Again, like, I'm not saying he's like a fucking great guy or anything like that. Like, oh, he's going to be a great de- witness for the Democrats or anything. Mm. But 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 the fact that he's willing to go on the record and say those things is really meaningful and should give people pause yes. about what the president's claims. Um, I think... Because it's a foregone conclusion, I almost want to see it end quickly mm. so that we can get on with the, the elections. Yeah. You know? And I think, I, you know, <laughs> they don't let, like, cameras into their trial. Yeah. So there's just been all these, like, pencil drawings of right. everybody in the inside. I've been enjoying those enormously. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it reminds me of when we do shows as comics. A how, big thing how is often like often they do pencil drawings. They come of us. <laughs> audience members come along and they do pencil drawings of us, <laughs> and they send them to us on Instagram, and they're always absolutely horrific. <laughs> so it's actually traumatizing to see these. And also, if John Bolton does get called, imagine trying to draw that mustache. Oh I guess God. it would just be a series of lines. A lot. Yeah. It's a lot. On so his maybe face. yes, that's another reason I hope he gets to show up. Yeah, the drawings um, will be incredible. Maeve, thank point. you for bringing up the, that really significant point. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but wait, can, can, can <laughs> yes. I quickly say one thing to what Please. you were mentioning? Um, I know there's this argument with Parnas. It's like, well, he's a criminal. He's a dubious character. He's not a good witness for us. Anyone who Trump has chosen to have in his orbit is a dubious character. Yeah. We, you know, if we're going to use normal human standards for what makes a good witness, we can speak to no one who's had a conversation with Donald Trump Melania. in the last three years. Melania, Melania bad egg. <laughs> you guys see her, her MLK tweet? No, it no. was like today is MLK Day. Hashtag MLK. Or something. It was like <laughs> literally just like she just like. Notice the day that it was. That's all she did. Listen, Nagin, be best. <laughs> be best. That's all. That's be all best. she wants. Be, be best, best and be a birther. <laughs> Just those two things. Um. Okay, you guys. Let us. We'll we'll keep track of these motherfucking impeachments mm-hmm. because while America doesn't care, we here at Fake the Nation, we fucking care. We do for and sure. So do those little people with their pencils in the oh, yeah. trial room. <laughs> You make them sound like they all are, like, I don't know, miniature versions of senators. Um, All right, you guys, let us uh, take a quick break. We're going to learn about our sponsors. Mm. You know what the sponsors do? They keep the lights on here at Fake the Nation, so we like very much listening to, uh, listening about them. (laughs) All right, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the campaign trail. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. 
because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are back. We're ready for topic number two. Okay, the trail of elections. <laughs> um, you guys, uh, of the top five candidates, and um, of the top five candidates in the primary season right now, three of them are senators and have to stay. Wait, three? Yeah, that's right. Sorry, <laughs> this very simple math. I'm having a hard time with. <laughs> Three of the five top <laughs> candidates uh, in the primaries have to stay in D.C. in mm. a room drinking only milk and water. <laughs> Vowed to silence. Vowed to silence like a bunch of monks um, writing little notes because they can't even bring their iPads. Gosh. That's right. Uh, and so there. So what, how do you what do you think that's doing? And, and we're talking specifically about Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Um, what do you think that does to the campaign trail? so close to the Iowa caucuses. Well, it must be terrible, right? Especially for, like, Amy Klobuchar. I heard her um, talking about how she was looking in the face of her Republican colleagues to try and read them and see, like, where mm. they were at, were they being dishonest, like, were they setting each other, like, setting them up. Um, and I was thinking, well, she couldn't do that if she wasn't physically there. Yeah. So, and that's really important to her. And... That's that's their jobs, right? Like they're working as senators. That's what they've been elected yeah. to do. And they should fucking be... do it. I mean, the yeah. fact that oh, this election sure. is drawn out for fucking nearly two years mm -hmm. 
is is uh, the, the fact that it takes them away from their fundamental duty mm-hmm. is another reason why we need to completely revamp the way we do these primaries, which is within our power because it's a party decision. Absolutely. Uh, and it's it's also the subject of my next op-ed for uh, Progressive Magazine, of which Maeve is also an op-ed writer. Wait, you're writing about how, how, how short do you think the election cycle should be? I mean, I, my main thing is mm-hmm. that this the cycle that all of the elections, the primary elections, should happen on the same day. Yeah, and that's that no right. state should be should have some kind of primo spot at the mm-hmm. top, and then we give a shit about what Iowa says. But, but that, we give a shit. I don't want to give a shit about yeah. what any other state does. I just want to go and vote my conscience, and then that's it. Why this long list of states have to tell mm-hmm. me what they're doing before I get right. to vote? And by the time I get to vote here in New York City, it literally fucking makes no difference. Does it does not matter. It is infuriating and part of the reason that this happened is just like the the reason Iowa's first was because there's a, b- a bunch of different reasons but one of them is that there were fucking no hotel rooms in Des Moines for this one particular <laughs> weekend that they wanted to do it so they moved it earlier that's you, why you don't why think democracy this... should be crafted by hotel vacancy that doesn't saying. make sense to you that's, it's like kayak.com <laughs> slash democracy <laughs> slash gov <laughs> <laughs> but what what's so creepy to me they are so comfortable with being fr- like when you hear yeah, you know, talk to a person from Iowa, hear them on the radio. They're all like, I understand it's frustrating for you, but the thing is, we know best. Yeah, get the <laughs> fuck out of my face. No, so and, I'm sure, and I'm sure so many are not comfortable but I think, with it. Yeah, it totally depends on the state. I, I actually did some volunteer work for Hillary in Ohio. Uh-huh. And so we were knocking on doors and doing all the traditional stuff that you do and getting screamed at in a very vehement way. And what I remember specifically is just the fatigue they had with being bothered by people who were clearly not from their state. Mm-hmm. When you're one of these states that really counts in our supremely fucked up process, I think, yeah, there is empowerment because mm-hmm. your voice matters, but also I think there's a deluge that gets really exhausting. Exhausting, right. Why Another person's going to knock on my fucking door? Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get it. There I were signs it. and doors that said like, I will not tell you who I'm voting for. Do not knock on my door. It when would I was be nice Ohio. if you were if you were just lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I like have the kettle yeah. on the whole time. Also, Coming please, young people. <laughs> also, what about these sketch artists in the Midwest? Who do they have to draw? I feel like maybe you're waiting for someone to open the door. You do a quick sketch. I mean, it's thoughtful. Yeah, and then you charge. You're gonna pay if it's like five bucks. <laughs> if it's good. If you're yeah, you're canvassing. Yeah. You'll be like, all right, fuck. Here's five dollars. <laughs> But will you also please vote for Elizabeth Warren? Um, it must be disappointing, though. Like, if you're if you want to see your candidate, and then they have to stay in DC. No, here's my question about that. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a candidate before I got to vote for them. I mean, that's not entirely true. But like, I have not gone to rallies. I've not. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they don't happen in New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, by and large, I know Bernie had a thing here, and Elizabeth had a thing in right. Washington. I didn't. I couldn't make either of those. But by and large, nothing happens in New York because mm-hmm. this, because our votes We're again don't conclusion. matter. Right. We're a foregone conclusion. So, um, so I personally am not someone that's ever based my vote on seeing someone physically at a rally. To me, that's insanity talk mm-hmm. and the kind of privilege talk that only Iowa, and New Hampshire, and South Carolina, and maybe Nevada get to talk say. But you I know, think, but I think that Maeve actually makes a great point because yes, from the states that you and I are from, I'm originally from Illinois. I've lived in New York since then. 
and like we don't get a ton of that action, right? Right. But I think if you're from a state whose political culture is an in-person culture, which from what I'm reading is very true of places like Iowa, I think it might make a difference. But it's only ha- it would have only made a difference since 1972, I think, is when the, right. when we had this modern. Right. This is a modern primary system. This is not the founding fathers' That's primary true. system. You know but, what I mean? But isn't um like right now like. Joe Biden gets to go and, like, shake hands and... I'm sorry, right. you mean Scranton Joe? <laughs> Continue. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call Pete Buttigieg? Pete Buttigieg. Oh, pet- okay. oh, Pete. <laughs> so those two are just, like, wandering around Iowa high-fiving yeah, people, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. That's right. just, like, so, so lonely, like, yeah. rattling in a jar or something. <laughs> I do think it gives them a good advantage. I mean, the ground game in those oh, states it's is ridiculous. so important. It's ridiculous. And, yeah. and, and as we said, like, these other senators, they have no choice. They have to be a part of this process right. this week in D.C. I, I just feel like everyone should have to stop. <laughs> I mean, it, it feels unfair. I just feel if it, maybe part of it is my candidate is in D.C. and I'm pissed. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm just sad for her. But, yeah. I mean, you know, let's talk a little bit, though, about what is happening, like, morally, ethically, and emotionally with these candidates. Because I feel mm-hmm. like we've turned some sort of a corner, and totally. it happened last week with the debates. So we talked about it for a smidge last week mm-hmm. when Elizabeth and Bernie had their little thing. And then after um, we recorded the CNN release, the audio of what Elizabeth said mm-hmm. to Bernie, which was like, are you calling me a liar on national television? And right. he was like, let's not do this here, whatever. Yeah. Um, since then... They actually held the locked arms on MLK Day right. or in March. I thought that was really nice. It was. I thought it was so nice that I actually welled up a little. So did I. Did you? Yes, oh my god! I feel less crazy. I, I feel less but crazy. In, in part because, like, I feel you know, when it comes to the left, we have a phenomenal capacity to be extremely cruel to each other about each other's candidates, who all mostly agree with each other. It's a startling cultural truth (laughs) about the left. And my honest, like, I'm an Elizabeth Warren supporter. That's my preference. If it's Bernie, that's just fine with me. Yeah. You know, I don't feel a violent rage if it's not my gal, even though I do have a preference. And I think them locking arms on a day that's so much about unity and a really important man clearly turning over in his grave as he watches this America yeah. <laughs> um, on that important day, you know, having them have a physical act of connecting, I was really moved by yeah, it. I, I totally wonder if it's going to be good for their just like mental health to not be in right. like schlepping around the states yeah. that yeah. they're that they've like they've been doing and they can just be in one place. And also oh, I would uh, yeah. as, sending... a, as, a, as a comic, oh, you know, fucking oh, right. I love but like also they are sending out their surrogates right so like maybe their husbands and wives and like kids and stuff yeah. and you never get to hear people talking about you because usually it only happens at your funeral right so I'm like that is going to be so fun like <laughs> and even like their friends their friends their family right. people who like obviously must have one or two problems with them they're like Elizabeth Warren choose too loud but they just have to be like this person is impeccable. And you get to hear all that. Yeah, yeah I, I really want to see footage of Elizabeth Warren's husband on the stump. Oh, yeah. With their puppy. Oh, my God. In uh, his arms. Just talking about how all the way she's incredible. Yes. Like, I'm ready for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that. Uh, the other option is holograms. <laughs> <laughs> Did you did you fly into Newark lately? <laughs> no. Do they do holograms in Newark? Yes, they have. What? Um, they have a hologram Who? of Steve Van Zandt. He's you know uh, Bruce Springsteen's mandolin player. I had to look this up because I flew into. 
<laughs> I Newark. know because it didn't come immediately <laughs> yeah, to my mind. I didn't it's know supposed it either. To be like yeah. New Jersey celebrities, but right. I guess like Bruce Springsteen himself didn't agree. So they were like, "Let's get his mandolin player." <laughs> so you you fly in. It's like welcome to America, and then it's just this like man with long hair and a hat on. And is he saying stuff or is he just like yeah? Is, is he, he just mandolin? He's, he's a hologram, so he's like waving and calling you over, and then he's saying like like New he's Jersey not just on a screen. Wonderful. He's literally like it's a shape of him. a shape of him. Got yeah. you. Yeah. So maybe they could do that. Like I, maybe. Well, did you love how I <laughs> wanted to make sure that you knew what a hologram was and that. <laughs> I don't trust that you know what you're talking about, Maeve, is what's happening. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. They were on TV. (laughs) But also, do you like... Uh, Correction, I was in my apartment and I was just flipping through the channels. Uh, Oh, man, I love the E Street Band. (laughs) Maeve, as you were saying that, I was like carried to this incredible visual of like an all hologram political rally where it's like a hologram of Bernie and then there's a hologram of Susan Sarandon doing like a gentle dance behind him. Yeah. Very gentle. But gentle but purposeful. (laughs) Gentle but purposeful. And then there also are holograms of like different surrogates from around the country but everyone's just mildly dancing as Bernie, you know, very articulately makes complaints. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, let's talk a little bit about these cults of personality that sort of develop. I think what's interesting about the Bernie thing that happened also in 2016 mm-hmm. is that I and again I am not out here to be a Bernie basher. Right. I will vote for that motherfucker if it comes to that though in my vote that doesn't count in the primaries I will be voting for Elizabeth Warren. Mm. Right. However, I do feel like there's a little extra je ne sais quoi of a negative variety mm. in his fan base where there's just where I feel like they're very quick. I mean, I just tweeted a couple of jokes during the oh. debates and I just got like attacked, you know, um, by some Bernie people as if I was somehow attacking Bernie as opposed to just making jokes. Like all humor is lost for some reason when you try and. Isn't that strange? Because he and this he's funny like totally you know, yeah. he's, he has all these like lovely moments he's like cantankerous totally. and funny and like he's really a lovable grouch straight up and, and he's, he's asked people to be civil he's asked right. his own people right. to be civil so it and mm-hmm. he so he knows that this is going on it's not he's not I mean, unaware i guess it's I get I've seen it too. I I mean it's not like when you were saying Danielle I support Elizabeth Warren but it's okay if you don't you rarely get that from a Bernie supporter. They're like, but why? Don't you know that this and this and mm. And it's like, I guess it's defensiveness because he was ignored for a long time or he was, you know, not taken seriously by, you know, the big newspapers or whatever. Is that well, it? Well, and they also, I think, I, I, don't wanna, I don't want to speak for that side. What do I know? But my, my sense is they feel that he was really unfairly sidelined by the Democratic Committee yeah. in that process. So it wasn't just that the media wasn't giving him his due, but I think they felt that procedurally we on the left harmed his chances. I also think that Hillary Clinton got into the mix this week, didn't she? Oh, yeah. Um, What do you make of that? I know. I mean, it's like I want to talk about it, but I don't want to fucking talk about it. Okay. No, but I want to mention she got in the mix by saying that like nobody liked him. Just one senator supported him. And I think (sighs) there is maybe like something to that of like institutionally, he wasn't the most popular guy and wasn't necessarily known for getting things done. Mm. Again, please don't at me. I will glee fully vote for him if it comes to that. I will knock on doors. I will fucking put money into it. I will do all of that that I need to do. So it's not about that. I'm just saying it, there, 
it's like I've heard that so much, yeah. you know? And that was some, you know, why didn't he have any other senatorial endorsements? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Well, I, I think this goes back to your point, Nagin, about how long this process is, right? Because we have so many months to stew and fight and really create and then cling to dramas. Yeah. Right? It's so easy to sort of have moments like last week at the debate and then both sides to flare up in a vehement way about that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, he and Warren agree, I think the percentage is on 96% of their platforms. So these differences are minuscule. Oh, they're minuscule. They're minuscule. And you forget that because this process is so overdrawn out. Maybe that's what Tom Sarah was trying to say, you know, when he just (laughs) tried to get into the middle of them. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he was just trying to say, guys, you, you agree on 96, and they were just like, who is this man? Uh, well, I have to say, as someone you, with a little you? bit of codependence and social neediness, I really saw myself in him at that moment. <laughs> I did. Like, I'm the person who's like, hey, guys, everyone seems great. I'm just going to head out now. I'm going to avoid this care? conflict. It has okay. nothing to do with my childhood. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But are you mad at Hillary? Listen, it's not my preference. I voted for Hillary. Um, She has every right to her feelings about Bernie. But I think airing them at this moment in the political process in such a public forum, it just doesn't feel appropriate to me, frankly. Mm, Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she did just say facts, though, didn't she? Not just. Well, she said nobody liked liked him. him. I mean, that's not a fact. It's like, I I mean, I want to see the series. I can't imagine... You know what, though? She's been through it all. Yeah. yeah. She's been through literally fucking everything. The yeah. woman tried to give us universal health care in the early 90s, mm. and Jeez. she was treated like the devil for right. it. Yeah. yeah. And now there's someone like Bernie who's coming along, and she's like, what? I literally tried to do this 30 years. You know what? I, I, yeah. I, she, she's tr- been treated like the devil for, for just being a woman. Right. For, you know. For being a capable verbal woman out yes. in the public sphere. Do you think that she's maybe taken she's... so much shit on behalf of, like, the female population. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm a little bit like, I really wish she hadn't have said anything that could have right. been used in that way. Me too. But... She's been through it all, and what we what are we going to keep her in some iconic whatever forever? Like, let her talk, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ! I don't know. And do you think maybe she like wanted to say who she does support, but that would be like really bad luck for them or something? <laughs> so instead, she was like, <laughs> yeah. uh, "Nobody likes Bernie," but she didn't want to like. She, cur- like, she didn't want to curse. So you should support Elizabeth. No, yeah. I know. I know. I, I, <laughs> but listen, you know, she's a human person, right? We so often forget that about her. Yeah. She's a human person, and also, I would imagine, like the guy who made it, who made your race so tight and so contentious. I would imagine who, her, yeah, uh, who did not. Uh, bend over backwards to then support you when you won the nomination. Who supported you but did not bend over backwards. Yeah. I think that's fair. You know, I also think her assessment of how popular or not popular he was or how others perceive him, of course, is colored by her personal experience of him, which is as his, like, World War Three rival, right? Do you know what I mean? It was so contentious. Yeah. So I also think it's understandable that she f- has strong feelings and wants to air them. But, like, that's why I think for the 
but for this particular political moment, I think airing them in the safety and ease of a healing therapy um, <laughs> context would be marvelous. But I'm not sure. Maybe like during some sort of a Reiki oh, massage. A sound healing. Nice. Let's do this. Ooh. Yeah. Um, okay, you guys. Well, we're going to keep track of what's going on. Uh, we're also going to try and not keep track of what's going on because mm. you're right. <laughs> protracted as this fucking thing is, mm-hmm. uh, we don't need to fucking check in on it every week. And I wasn't even really going to check in on it this week, as you'll notice from the notes I sent out. But I feel like a lot of that stuff kind of bubbled up and we had to talk about it. So anyways, we talked about it. Are you happy, people of Fake Nation, or are you annoyed that we're talking about it? I don't know. I'm going to try and balance this shit out in the coming weeks. Don't worry. Let us move on to topic number three. Um, So Virginia became the 39th state to pass the Equal Rights Amendment, the first female House Speaker in Virginia's 401-year legislative history, was the one who who announced the vote in the House. Amazing. Which was... I. Tearjerker. Me too. Right? right Come there. on. Oh my God. Um, it was like the notebook. <laughs> <laughs> Just in time. Um, you had me at hello. <laughs> yeah, it was totally. It was a lot of that. Um, she's Tom Cruise in this situation. What? Okay. I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, so I guess what was your initial reaction to hearing about this? Maybe you could tell me you had a very honest initial reaction while but, we were getting coffee. Because I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and, and then, so, you know, I mean, I actually saw it first because, like, my friend on Instagram was like, my mom's been working for this for 30 years, wow. you know. And so I was like, this is incredible. And then I was also like, America hasn't passed this already. Embarrassing. Um, right? And then I was sort of, you know, <laughs> reading that, like, the Justice Department, um, you know, issued this finding that the amendment, it was expired and it couldn't be ratified. So, like, maybe what they were doing, like, didn't matter anyway. And then um, I hadn't realized that three state attorneys last year, they sued the archivist of the US. Which is hilarious. Which is so funny. It's like, you become an archivist because you love, like, you, you're you an introvert. <laughs> you don't want to get involved in some big scrap. Like, you right. care about history and procedure. And big, dusty rooms. Yes. Right. And now suddenly you're, like, at the center you're getting of this. you sued. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, just so that listeners know, know what we're talking about, so Virginia became the 38th state to pass the Equal Rights Amendment, which means that's uh, enough states for that then to go into a ratification mm-hmm. convention um, and that we could then, you know, change the Constitution. Um, By 1979, only 35 of the needed 38 state legislatures had voted to ratify the ERA. Between 1979 and 1982, they they extended the deadline in 1982 as a result. And then by that, by 1982, a handful of those states rescinded their their ratifications. And which I think, which which is something that I forgot about and found very interesting because if you're, I think maybe one of them was Nevada, like or Idaho, whatever. Um, I'm really being a dick right now by just not being specific about what the states were. Anyways, point is, if you're one of those states, you want to be like, what they they voted to pass the ERA? Like it is a very active thing to then sit in the legislative chambers and then actively vote to rescind it. Like, yeah. that's, I mean, you really have to hate the idea of equal rights mm. for women uh, well, to do that. But we have to remember that there was a major cultural campaign led by Phyllis Schlafly at mm. the time um, who came to my all-women's campus and just created 
a nightmare scenario by saying things about women that are horrible. But um, <laughs> Phyllis, Phyllis Schlafly, you know, led this huge campaign and really made the ERA kind of this epicenter issue of whether or not we were going to move toward, from our view in this room, a more progressive or less progressive future of this country. So it became a, a symbol for something much bigger than it was. Um, I think it's shocking that it did not pass and still has not passed. I also teared up reading about it and seeing the footage. What I will say is um, what fascinated me is that the main conservative argument sort of against the ERA is that if it passes, you will not, not the main conservative argument, but one of the main arguments is that if it passes, having bathrooms separated by sex will become illegal. Not only is this not true, but also I have to point out. Yeah, they love that argument. They love a toilet. You know, yeah. when you think about conservative it's arguments, yeah, you know, obsessed. right, right. So, like, when we're talking like, about, how can we bring toilets into the impeachment? Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, if you know, I've always wanted to sort of walk in the shoes of a really, really politically conservative person to see the world through their eyes. And what I wonder is, if I did that, would I enter a toilet space and think? I'm in danger because it seems like such a fraud area. So like the trans, you know, rights issues, we all see that as a human rights discourse. And that got reduced on the conservative side to toilets. Yeah. You know, the ERA is this fundamental and so clearly needed call in our main, most precious document in this country that women deserve the same rights as men. But it's going to get reduced again to toilet business. Right. So my question is, is and this is what not necessarily conservative. Well, this is what I think moderate moderates um, on the liberal side would say is, do we actually need it? Like, why not attack things like one by one? Directly. Right. Because because it is, I'll go ahead and say vague, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, uh, it's kind of vague. Um, whereas you, we could say what we want is like pregnancy, fairness for pregnant women. And right. we want, you know, for pe- women that are breastfeeding and we want this for mm. like, or we want to remove, uh, like the pink tax or whatever. Like those are concrete policy mm-hmm. solutions to problems that women face. Um, why would we need the ERA? Like, what does that do for you? I guess it's like how much you believe in, in language and the power of kind of, you know, if you wanted to sit back and read the Constitution, like which people do, and they pull it out at parties and like, <laughs> I love that about America. <laughs> then, you know, get it get it right yeah. and keep working on it and yeah. maybe do both if you're if you yeah. can manage that. Right. You know? Right. I mean, first of all, maybe I want to be at these parties. They sound <laughs> incredible. <laughs> but I actually think there is a it fundamentally matters enormously to me as a woman, that I am in the Constitution, that we are all in the Constitution in a written, clear way. And I understand mm-hmm. that it's going to be a protracted and perhaps vicious battle to get there, which is another argument against it. But I don't care. You know, for this next generation of women who are coming up, I want them to know that the Constitution covers them in a really formal, obvious way, mm. which it currently does not. Um, so yeah. I, I think we need it both as a symbolic gesture, but also we need it because um, it makes that document much more sort of atavistic and, and out of date than it needs to be to have that absence. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Uh, what's also interesting is, like you mentioned, uh, suing the archivist, <laughs> you know, because the Trump administration basically issued a 38-page opinion declaring the uh, ARA dead. Um, Imagine if he wrote that himself. 
<laughs> just, what, what, do you, what do you think he would say? Thirty-eight page yeah. Donald Trump opinion. I His mean, it would be very it would large. be wide ranging. I'm right. sure. Oh, yeah. indeed, a lot of very Sharpie. distracted. Right. Yeah, yeah. and misspelled. I, oh, lo- I love women. Thick, women such are a incredible. Thick marker on that fucking yeah. memo. So thick, it bleeds yeah. to the other side. You can barely read what's on the other side. Did you side. see the timepiece about Kushner that showed some of the photos of what's in his office? And it's all like maps and things with just Trump in huge letters, being like, "Way to go, son!" <laughs> in huge sharpie Aww. letters. Oh, that was a heartbreaker. From, That's fr- really Trump weird. writes that stuff on Jared Kushner. On Jared Kushner's like docs. Yeah, it's like, "Way oh to go, God. son." Nice. That's... And meanwhile, his actual sons are like, "Could you please sign this, Dad?" <laughs> I miss you. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, I guess I bring this up because um, I just wanted to muse about the type of paper that we were looking at in that 38 pages. But also um, (laughs) because uh, are what is this something we should be fighting for? I mean, let's say that we have him for another four years. Dear God, no. But let's say that happens. Um, Is this where we should be putting in our energy? Well, from what I understand, is Virginia is like has a progressive like state government at the moment. At the moment, yeah, newly they've, yeah. they've kind of so why not pur- like, purple to blue a little right. right. So like, why not go for it if the will is there? I mean, so like, what has to happen mm-hmm. now is that then those states gather and there's a constitutional convention and. And then, and that's what you know how we ra- how we add, which gets complicated because like those states that rescinded, do those rescinded votes count? count right. right. So it that's part of it. But so it's like yeah. w- technically we have thirty eight. If we if we oh, if we ignore the rescinded ones, which I think, uh, which there's a legal question about whether or not we can re- ignore those rescinded ones. Um, what do you think? Do you think it's too? It's like too much to take on at the moment, or so. Uh, it's so funny because in in some way, I mean, it's like you're absolutely right, Danielle. It's so fucking obvious that we should have mm. it. Why yes. don't we already have it? Mm, right. Like if it, when you were like, how does America not already have this? Mm. That's what I think every time I hear, you know, the term ERA. Like, mm. how is this even a fucking question? How is this even a fucking question? How is it a question for any conservative male that we don't have the ERA. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels so unbelievably reasonable to have it, necessary to have it, human to have it. Um, the fact that we don't already have it is baffling. Uh, and But also I see the argument of we have to pick our political fights in the right moment. Mm-hmm, right. Virginia passed this bill because they could, mm-hmm. right? The, they right. didn't pass it fucking two years ago. Right, no way. They passed it now. Um, they had the votes. And they, and it's been a longstanding bill that's been reintroduced into the legislature every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the year that it won, right? right. So it's... Um, they, they, that was all, you know, it could have not, it could have easily not happened and we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. So I think, I guess, okay, I guess I would rather put our energy, and this is like, why am I even pitting these things against each other? <laughs> but I would put our, put our energy on, on climate change. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I, I know. Is that weird that I'm just like I'm I prioritizing? Not expect, I did not expect that turn at the end. No, I know. I mean, there that, it is. That's what I would do. Logical. Yeah. Yeah. That's more logical. I mean, from that argument, let's not worry about anything else. Because right, right. climate change, <laughs> the world's on fire. So like, from that argument, yeah, I'm with you. Like, if we're choosing between right. climate change no, I know. and do anything. We have to, I know. And do right. we have to choose? No one's even asking but, me to choose. But for whatever reason, It's I'm a woman's choosing. right to choose. <laughs> this is this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I have like one more argument for the yeah, ERA if I could. Please. So I do think that it's happening now partly out of political capacity and convenience. But also I think, you know, part one of the gifts, I can't believe I'm just about to say this, one of the gifts of the Trump era mm. is that I think You're such a silver liner today. Thank you, Nagin. <laughs> Tiffany, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> Oh, she's beautiful. A, a bauble on the tree of America. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany and also, um, I think one of the gifts of this era is that we are seeing a vehemence and a, and a publicness in feminist discourse that we yeah. just didn't see oh, before. And I feel like this conversation is coming up organically because of this political moment. You know, it's I don't think it's a coincidence that we're talking about this right now because we're all these Me Too movements, all these other, these other kind of um, – different variants of feminism, it's all about really being fucking fed up and insisting on what it should what should have already been the norms to now be the norms. Yeah. This yeah. is another example of that at a really important national scale. And weirdly, but I think it kind of makes sense, there's a television show that's about to come out about the fight for the ERA. It stars Kate Blanchett. It's called Mrs. America. It looks amazing. I watched the trailer. What's but, it on? Um, I don't know what, what station One it's of the on. things. One of I the love things. that... Um, Kate Blanchett is she's Phyllis the Australian Schlafly. actor. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> she's playing Amer- America's preeminent conservative woman. Phyllis That's great. But, but none of that feels co- coincidental to me. Yeah. I think we're in this oh, moment right. where we are so fed up. You know, you said it, it's so obvious we should have it. It's also so obvious that when a man is caught on record saying that he grabs women's genitalia, he should not be awarded the presidency. Right. But, but <laughs> right. Who are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like I said, I had a day of work yesterday. Right. So uh, we'll talk later. Some things have happened. But um, we're still in a, such a seismically sexist place in this country. Right. I think that's the main argument for getting the ERA passed. I guess it, it feels a little bit like, and I'll say the Me Too era feels like it's on the decline. Can well, I say that? It's because it's, po- it's hard I don't to point know. to results. I don't results. know. Right. Like, because it's hard to like, point to results. Yeah. That's why. I didn't, and then maybe this is what you're saying is that uh, this is a, a an infusion of energy into something like that that started with the Me Too era. Mm-hmm. A, a possibility like that came A up. concrete outcome. Yes. That could come from it. Right. Yeah. So maybe, you know. Look, I think we're both right. I think we need to focus on climate change. <laughs> and we need the fucking ERA. Can both of those things be true? Yes, Nagin. I don't know. Women emit carbon. So I have to hold deal it with in. These ladies. Hold it in. You guys. That's the end of the show. Already? How do you feel? I'm gonna sit in the studio and keep talking. <laughs> If you want to leave, leave. You got me all riled up, Nagin. Seriously. <laughs> um, I feel great. I feel a little, you know, generally politically enraged, but in a nice way. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I like to add a little gloss onto just the rage. Yeah. Just a little lavender. It's a silver lining rage, if yeah, I may. Yeah, no, sweet. Yeah. Um, you guys, what I would love for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to do is to follow you and all the things you do. Danielle, 
Tell them. Where do they do that? Well, a great way to follow me is um, on Instagram. I post there all the time. And my tag there is at ddurch, which is D-D-U-R-C-H. And you can also always go on my website, daniellederschlag.com. Derschlag is spelled D-U-R-C-H-S-L-A-G. That's incorrectly spelled in the German. <laughs> <laughs> that is my name. I um, know. Before you start sending your emails about it, right. she knows. I know it's incorrect in the German. I didn't choose it. Um, and also, if you are in town this Sunday and you're free at 8 p.m., please come see my film. I'm one. I'm showing one of uh, five shorts by Jewish female filmmakers about Jewish women. Uh, oh, my God, you guys. I've seen Eleanor of Illinois. It is so haunting and fantastic oh, thanks, and thrilling and creepy Thank and you. cool and just all of those things with the fantastic Judy Coons. Oh, who, she's amazing. Uh, if you're a Broadway connoisseur, know exactly who I'm talking about. Fucking fantastic. So should, everyone should absolutely go see that if you're in New York City mm-hmm. Sunday night. And I'm sure the lineup is great. The festival always has like uh, just really curates the shit out of their uh, lineups. Maeve, where do people find you? Um, Maeve in America on Instagram. That's really the only place I am. But the thing is. You're also on Twitter in a really non-committal way. I don't like Twitter. I, I don't like Twitter. But on Instagram, this is what I recommend looking at. Someone just named a turtle after me. What? And they sent me a picture of this two-year-old turtle. They're still tiny when they're two. Wow. And they were like, we're going to well, call... they're tiny in general, no? no Is no, this going to be a big it's one? It's going to be giant. Oh, wow. like a Like a 40-pound one? Like, it's going to live to be 100. Oh, it's going to outlive you, right? It's going to be... Um, oh. It, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get so excited about that. I was excited about how long they live. I not never about thought your, of it. I never thought about it like death. that. You're imminent death. No. Oh, well, I'm getting up there. And, uh, she'll, she'll keep my legacy going strong. That's right. <laughs> so you t- you have a photo of this Yeah, at Maeve in America. Turtle. And then you'll see Maeve, the, yeah, the turtle who will, I guess I'll leave everything to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Legacy turtle. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, everyone follow these fine people. You guys know where to find me and all the things I do. Guys, I made a mild effort to update my website. Oh, this fun thing happened where someone emailed me that they were in town from Italy. And do I have any shows? And I happened to see the email, which I don't always. I know there's tons of emails from you guys that I have not got, yet gotten to, but I will. But I saw this email and I immediately responded, oh yeah, I have like three shows this weekend, none of which are on my website. Little known fact, a lot of my New York gigs will not be on my website because I do a lot of them, right, Maeve? You don't yeah. put all your fucking gigs on your no, website. No, because you might just be like, I'm just going to run over there and do and 10 minutes I'm going to run over and do a spot. Yeah. So I don't right. always post those. But if you email me, then you'll know where I'm going to run over and do a spot. Mm-hmm. So do that or comment to fakethenation.com. And uh, so it was really fun because then I met one of our uh, expat listeners in Italy who came to see me at the Greenwich Comedy Club, which was so delightful. So you can do that, and I made a mild effort at updating my website. <laughs> I am going to be in Iowa not only tomorrow for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Any, but also I'm going to be in Iowa at the University of Iowa um, in Iowa City. Uh, I think it is, maybe. Uh, later this month, or February, I think. It's February. So, And I'm also going to be at Smith College mm. and uh, some other fucking places, guys. So <laughs> please come uh-huh. and, and see all that stuff. Um, but in the meantime, what I really would like to do is I'd like to th- thank the many people who make this show happen. Um, that's our um, that's our talented producer, Anita Flores, our wonderful audio engineer, Andy Christens, Gabby Alter wrote our theme music, Lily Fleshler helps with research, and you guys, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your feedback, topics you think we should be chatting about, or guest ideas. You can leave us a voicemail at 347 770 4981 or drop us a line at fake. That's sorry. 
drop us a line at comments at fakethenation.com. Um, I'll be back next week. Goodbye. <laughs>